I took the lead. Where's a good station? Somebody's heart. Glorious. Glorious. Amen. Guardians of Grace. What's wrong? Welcome to the Guardians of Grace podcast. Relax. You have found the right place. We're here to serve. Join us. Holding to pure grace. Again, relax. Join in with us. Listen on. Be blessed. Hello again, everyone. And welcome to another edition of the Guardians of Grace podcast. 2022. My name's Bill, and I'm here with the guard dog, Steve, my good buddy. Hey, everybody. Glad you're here, too. And most of all, glad that the Holy Spirit's here to speak through us and to give us ears to hear and a mind that understands. Let me just say, we are totally dependent upon the Holy Spirit tonight. That's how we fly. That's how we fly. And we had a podcast last week where we talked again about the sin and did our best to describe what the sin is. And maybe, Steve, if you wouldn't mind giving a a little review on what the sin was. Let me just give you a few to go off of. Romans 5.12, the sin entered the world. What does that mean? Yeah. And... Romans 6, shall we continue in the The sin, sin. which is a noun? What does that mean? And mainly the Genesis 4, where it's this kind of out there verse where it says, the sin is crouching at the door and it desires to master you, but you must master it. That's what God was telling Cain. He said, why is your countenance so low? If you do what is good, you'll be blessed. But sin is crouching at your door, and you must master it. That's speaking about this idea of the sin is crouching. It's personified right at the beginning of the book. The beginning of your Bible, it speaks about the sin, the personified sin is crouching at your door and is desiring to master you. It desires to have control of you, but you, as in Cain, must conquer it. You must master it. And the fact of the matter was... As we were going through the last podcast, Cain never did master the sin. The sin mastered Cain, and he killed his brother. And sin has been mastering people throughout all the generations and throughout all the centuries until Christ came, and really even then some. But It was after Christ came and paid for the sin that Paul was finally allowed to reveal this mystery that had been hidden for so long. 
the mystery about the fact that those Israelites, even though they chose to serve God and had the right choice down pat, they, Joshua said, you can't serve him. He's too holy. You're going to be witnesses against yourself that you've chosen to serve God. And he knew that they were going to fail because of this mystery that was hidden to the Jewish people. They had sin dwelling in their human nature. Like I said, this is a mystery that was not allowed to be revealed till Paul revealed it, namely in chapters 6, 7, and 8 of Romans, something that you should look into intently, intently, because for years as a Christian, I didn't realize what those three chapters had said to me. And I was actually at a Bill Gother seminar where he said, if you memorize chapter 6, 7, and 8 of Romans, it will unlock the Bible for you. And I did, but it didn't do anything until 10 years later. I was finally given a clue as to what chapter 6, 7, and 8 are talking about, and that's what we are trying to pass on to you this evening. It says, I am of a human nature, and I'm sold into bondage to this sin. That happened at the Garden of Eden, and God was telling Cain that It's going to happen to you like the next day. He said, sin is crouching at your door, but you must master it. It's desiring to master you, but you must master it. Well, Paul in Romans 7 is saying, I'm human. I'm human. And that sin that has been mastering people for all those generations masters me. I'm of a human nature sold into bondage to sin for what I will to do, I do not do. And what I will not to do, this I do. I practice the very evil that I hate to do. And I'm just basically paraphrasing Romans 7 right now. So please look at the chapter. He says, it's not me doing what I don't want to do. It is sin dwelling in me. This the sin, sin, the sin that's personified, is personified back in Genesis, and it's personified here when Paul is describing it. He says, sin lives in me and it makes me do what I don't want to do, and it makes me not do what I want to do. Over and over again, sin embarrasses me because I must master it, but I don't. I can't. This is the revelation that Paul is giving. 
in my own human will and determination, I lose. I lose the battle against sin. I'm not free to live that exemplary Christian life. I'm in bondage to this sin guy. And that was a mysterion for all those generations. The whole time Israel was under the law, they were under the law because through the law comes the knowledge of sin. Through the law was the knowledge of how imperfect they were. Through the law was the knowledge of how they missed the mark. Paul's revealing why they missed the mark. Do you see? It's such an unbelievable chapter. At least it tells you why you behave the way you do. And you're so frustrated with yourself. You actually get that why question answered. It's because this sin that has been a secret. You've heard people say Satan's biggest, most powerful tool that he uses is to make you think he doesn't exist. Well, he's kept that idea about sin dwelling in you. And there again, look at the scriptures. I'm not making this up. The scriptures are telling you that sin dwells in you, and it overpowers you. That's what Paul said. He said, I see that nothing good dwells in me that is in my human effort. The wishing is there. I wish that I could. Israel wished that they could. They sincerely wanted or willed to serve God that way. That's the actual word, our dog Steve, is thelema, which is to will. To will. The willing was present. Yes, the willing was present, but the doing was not. The willing was free, but the carrying it out was enslaved. The ability to carry it out was enslaved. The willingness was doomed. Yes, It was doomed. And that's the mystery that the Bible is revealing in Romans 7 and 8, that we have a problem. And that's what we talked about last week, realizing this problem by trying to do it and missing the mark continually, which is the definition of sin, is actually missing the mark is actually what leads to depression. The reality that you can never make the mark, you can never be like God because you're not sovereign. And you weren't supposed to. That's the good news. That's Say that the good again. News. You were, we were never designed to be perfect. We were designed to be dependent on God and he was going to take care of us till... The serpent deceived Eve and said, you can be like God without God. You can do it yourselves. Doesn't that make so many scriptures make sense now? When I'm weak, I'm strong? Yes. Yes. Like, what does that mean? When I'm weak, I'm strong. Don't you mean when I'm weak, you you make me strong? It doesn't say that, though. No. 
Because when you're weak, you're dependent. When you're weak, you're dependent. And that is what God has always wanted us to realize. Just depend on him and not your willpower and you will live in a much better fashion than you'll live gritting your teeth and trying to live this Christian life. And that's what the whole grace word means. It's a gift. It's his strength to supply your weakness. That's why he says in Romans six fourteen, I believe, it says that the sin that we've been talking about, which has enslaved us, which Cain could not master, which imprisoned him, which imprisoned Paul, enslaved Paul. He says, the sin shall not be your master. Why? Because you're not under performance, but under grace. Right. You're not under the law, but you are under grace. You are not on the performance treadmill, but you are depending on the power of God That is what grace is. It's not just the fact that he died for your sins on the cross and you no longer have to pay for the penalty of sin where you can sin all you want now because you don't have the penalty. No, It's not that. Grace is the power of God to live the life you always wanted to. Grace should not be put down. It should be spoken about and told that we depend on that. That's what Paul said. This is my way of life in Christ Jesus, in the power of Christ to live the model Christian life for me. I teach this everywhere in every church, and that is what is called grace, and it gets such a bad rap. Let's go back to that Romans six fourteen. Okay. If something is true, like that verse... The inverse is also true. Yes. So it says, sin shall not be your master because you're not under law, but you're under grace. Isn't it equally true that sin will be your master if you are under law and not under grace? Yes. It's absolutely true. Yes. And the whole Old Testament bore that out. Proved that. The definition of sin is to miss the mark. Yes. The law was the mark. Yes. That's one place it was used. Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount, he said, you've heard it said you shall not murder. But I I tell you, if even if you think a hateful thought, you're guilty of committing murder. The mark isn't just not doing it. It's not even entering. It's not even willing to do it. Not even willing to do it. And he says the same thing. You've heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I'm telling you, if you covet another woman or lust after another woman, which, by the way, was the sin that Paul could not master, nor the rich young ruler a few podcasts ago, they could not master coveting. Could not. No one can. The rich young ruler coveted all the money he had, and Paul said, I would not have known coveting if the law had not said, thou shall not covet. But when the commandment came, 
in sin sprang to life and produced in me coveting of every kind. For apart from the law, the sin guy that we've been talking about, this mystery that trashed Israel for all those centuries, produced coveting in Paul of every kind because it was activated by the law, which is equal to getting on the human performance treadmill. That's where the depression comes in. Now, if I just said, you're weak, so be happy, why would I be happy about being weak? But Paul said, I'm happy because when I'm weak, I'm strong. There's where the contentment comes. There's where anxiety ends. There's where worrying and stress and shame and guilt, all those things that just age us and wear us down, we're free from those things. Like he says, sin shall not be your master because you're not under law, but under grace. That is Grace is the dependence upon God's strength. That is why Paul said... I will boast in my weaknesses yes, so did. that the the power of God may rest on me. I'll Gladly bo- boast. Yes. I will boast in my weaknesses so that the power of God will rest on me. When I am weak, I am strong. Wow. What an amazing passage in Romans six fourteen that sin shall not be your master because you're not under law, but under grace. We learned that Paul learned this secret to contentment. And he, in Philippians 4, he says, the secret to contentment is I can endure all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then in 2 Corinthians, we touched upon this last week. Won't go into a lot of detail about it, but he said, there was giving me a thorn in the flesh. And we saw that in the Old Testament, thorn in the flesh was a a Hebrew idiom, and it almost always had to do with people. And Paul had his people that were a thorn in his flesh that he talks about a lot. And almost the whole letter of 2 Corinthians is about these people called the Judaizers. And the Judaizers did not want to give up the law in human effort. They were 180 degrees against Paul's teaching of his grace message. Much like today. Much like today. And modern day church resembles that. And Paul said to God or prayed to God, kill him. (laughs) Remove this thorn. Remove it. And he got that amazing answer. He prayed three times, which is probably another idiom, Mm -hmm. completely prayed it out. But God said, no, I'm not going to remove it because my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Yes. Which was the reason Adam was created was to depend upon God. And And that is our greatest contentment. And Satan said, you don't have to depend on God. That was our greatest deception. The fact is, is that we all need to admit that we are not strong-willed enough to live the righteous Christian life. 
Just and own it, you guys. Just Admit own it. it. Fess up. Practice the truth. That's what Jesus said in John chapter 3. Those who practice the truth will come to the light so it may be clearly seen that what has been done has been done by God and not us in our determination and gritting our teeth to do this for God. We never could and need to admit that we can't so that the power of Christ may rest on us. That's what I was going back to earlier, and I lost my thought, Steve, but sin is just one of those words that it's not in our vocabulary. It's, a, it's in our church vocabulary only. And we think of sin as committing adultery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, my mind's in the gutter. That's what mm-hmm. someone says sinning. I'm like, he's cheating on his wife? Yeah. Or he's cheating on his taxes. Sin, the way the Bible describes it as missing the mark, is actually a guy that's trying real hard to be perfect. Amen, Bill. Say that louder. Sin means missing the mark. When you're trying so hard to to hit the mark, you're trying to be like God without God. That's what Satan said. You can be like him without being, needing him. I'm going to give you a little visual because I love college football. And my wife went to Florida State. She was a big Seminole fan, and I liked the Seminoles. And I was a big Miami Hurricane fan. And in the 90s, they had a series of games that came down to the wire, and FSU <laughs> went to kick a field goal, and they were wide right. Then the next year, they were wide right. Then the then they had a wide left, then another wide right. It was almost funny after a while, but what does wide right mean? They missed the mark. They sinned. <laughs> you could say Harmartia. They sinned. They missed the mark. They were trying to get it between the uprights for points, and they got no points. Mm-hmm. They missed the mark. It's the same. <laughs> Here's a funny one. It actually, in Judges, you know the story, Steve. There's, I think it's in 2016. It's just one of those bizarre stories right in the middle. It says there were these 700 guys who were all left-handed and who could throw a stone without sinning. Yeah. (laughs) I remember now. Yeah. So those are, there were 700 guys that never sinned. Right. According to this definition of sin. Yes. And it's the exact same word that's used in the Cain and Abel story. Chata, I think, is the... Hebrew word. Hamartia, I know, is the Greek word. Yeah. And it literally just means to miss the mark. So think of sin by its definition, not going out and wildly pursuing life. That's a, yeah, that's sin. That's missing the mark too. But what he's talking about in Romans 7, Paul is not going out and chasing girls and going to bars and smoking cigarettes. He's doing his very best on his knees trying to keep the law yes trying not to miss the mark in any way of the law trying to not fall short in any way all definitions of the sin that's what sin is and 
what's the opposite of miss the mark? Make the field goal? Jump across the ocean. Right. And Jesus nailed it on the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon mm-hmm. on the Mount was not meant to encourage anyone. No, it wasn't. It was given to destroy any confidence someone might have in the flesh. Yes. Paul said, if anyone does have confidence in the flesh, in Philippians 3, it's me. He was circumcised on the eighth day. At least his parents kept the law. Mm-hmm. Can't credit Paul for being circumcised on the eighth day. No. He was a Pharisee. It says he was, what, zealous? Zealous. And it says when it came to the outward law, he was faultless. Yes. We find in Romans 7, it was this inward law of covening that he couldn't keep. Yes. But outwardly, apparently, he didn't commit adultery. He never murdered anyone. But inwardly, he was having this raging battle inside. And that's where he was missing the mark. He could not keep perfection that was demanded upon God. Therefore, the lie that came from the serpent in the garden was, you can be like God, but you already were like God, but you were made to be dependent upon God. You were made to manifest his image. That's what it says. That's what it means when it says man was created in the image of God. Paul called this Second Corinthians the ministry of the spirit, and he compared it with the ministry of death, which he called the law, which showed you that you cannot live up to the glory of God, the weight of God. But he said, we with unveiled faces, now that the lie is exposed, mm-hmm. can reflect the same image mm-hmm. of Christ mm-hmm. that were actually living letters known and read by all men. Yeah. Because we're Reflecting the image of God, or you could say shining, which is the adjective for the word fanaru, which means to manifest mm-hmm. the image of God. You're manifesting mm-hmm. the image of God. No one has so, ever seen God, but when we love with the type of love that only God has, people are seeing a manifestation of the love of God. And what, that is the re- whole reason we were Created. What does it say about the light is showing in our dark hearts to show us the face? Oh, yes. Second Corinthians 4, I think it's 6 and 7. God, who said, let light shine out of darkness during creation, has caused his light to shine in our darkened hearts without understanding hearts so that we would see the glory of or the weight, or the perfection of God in the face of Christ. Then it says, we have this treasure in these weak earthen vessels so that the all-surpassing excellency, little King James there, would be what? Dully seen? Clearly seen to be of God and not of ourselves. Yes. The life, the lie from the serpent, from Satan, was that you can shine just like God. Right. You just need to know what's... In all reality, it's always been God 
shining in you and you receiving the credit for what God does. I mean, even back when you're reading the Old Testament, the people would just cry out, God's done the works of our hands. It's It wasn't us. It was God doing these things. God said, I will do all these things. And when you become rich and fat, you'll think that you were doing those things. Oh, he did say that. He, he said, when that. you enter the land, mm-hmm. you're going to forget that it was God that did all these things. Yes. Yes. It and was predicted. Did. It was predicted. And it was all predictable because God knew this secret about man that in his human nature, sin dwelled and not only dwelled, but mastered that was the mysterion that was not allowed to be proclaimed or revealed until the apostles were allowed to reveal it. In many cases, I'll I'll speak from my own life. Although I'd been a Christian for 20 years, the idea still hadn't been revealed to me. I did not know that sin dwells in me, and it's sin that embarrasses me, and sin makes me, the personified sin, makes me fall short of my good intentions. Did you hide from it? I mean, you didn't go around announcing it. No, I, I covered it up. I did too. We, we all mask in different ways. We so learned I, the little Christianese talk to fool people. That's why Jesus said, you hypocrites. But you can't really deceive yourself. And that's, that's where the anxiety and the, the depression came in for me and the worrying I didn't know about this depend this freedom in dependence. It sounds like an oxymoron, doesn't it? There's freedom in dependence upon the Spirit. It didn't dawn on me as clearly as it should that Christ in me is the hope of glory. Christ in me is the hope of accomplishing all the righteous requirements of the law. Wow. Say Christ that. in me, yeah. Sorry, like, R- Romans 8, 4. All the requirements of the law will be fully met in us who do not walk according to human effort, but walk according to the Spirit's power. That's grace. That's what grace means. Walking according to the Spirit's power and not your own human willpower. Could you also say the righteous requirements of the law will be fully met in those who do not walk according to the lie yes of the serpent yes but according to the spirit's power yes the truth that the spirit has the power to to do for us yes. what we can't do for ourselves i like that verse you quoted it just a minute ago where all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And then you quoted another verse, and it was on my mind too. It was like, wow, Steve's like reading my mind here. The mystery of all mysteries in Colossians one twenty seven, I believe it is, is Christ in you, 
the hope of glory. The hope, remember, hope means the certainty, certainty. that it's going to happen. happen. It's not wishful thinking. It's, mm-hmm. it's going to happen. So all have sinned, all have believed the lie and fallen short of the glory. Mm-hmm. But Christ in us is the mystery called the hope yes. of glory. Yes. The mystery of all mysteries, Christ yes. in us, the hope of glory. In, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, <laughs> all the treasures of unveiling this mystery that was we were kept in the dark about. One of the definitions of glory, especially in the Old Testament, is weight. It's the it's the weight of a scale, really, is what it is. Exactly. It's when it's God's standard, God's perfection is on one end of the scale, and we're supposed to put our human effort on the other, and it should balance, then we could say that we don't fall short of the weight of God. Right. But we found out through the lie that we fall way short of, way the, short. of the weight of God. Yes. But we've been justified freely by his grace. Not only justified, we become sanctified by his grace too. And grace, I, I get choked up. And that, yeah, that just exactly. It puts a giddy up in my, my step. Yes. It, it takes the depression, the things I used to just anxiety about and things I I felt one day I'm not I'm just gonna get exposed. Someone's gonna say someone's just gonna <laughs> the pastor of a church is just gonna stand up and go put the flashlight and say, get out. Yeah. You're yeah. not you you felt hopeless. You'd failed so many times, or at least I'm speaking for myself, I had failed so many times and tried so hard and rededicated and recommitted and however you want to put it so many times that I, I, I just had to admit this doesn't work. I thought that was the issue. I, it never occurred to me that I don't have the ability. What occurred, what I thought was I'm not dedicated enough. I'm not committed enough and I'm not strong willed enough. And I was given all kinds of, and I, I tried a lot of them, doing the 30-day mm. experiments, memorizing Bible verses, and just, committing Just to go do- to the bookstore and look for another one. Say, the last one didn't work. Let me try another book. See if this one will work. Yeah, I, I remember going to singles conferences when I was single, and I'd always come back with a book. Yeah. And like, man, this is it. Got it now. I'm going to read this book and I'm going to apply this principles in this book and it's going to be good. It actually made me more depressed after trying it than before I even exactly. tried Exactly. I felt like a failure. That'll weigh on a guy. That's depression. Yes, it is. But the good news, I think I said it before, is th- the bad news isn't that you can't do it. That seems like bad news, but the good news is we were never intended to. Never. Never had the burden put on us. That's why we've been just going crazy on the idea of manifesting. Manifesting 
comes through dependence. And I don't think we've exhausted the idea of dependence upon God, which no. is what grace is. Yes. And we're the guardians of grace, so we're going to... Well, we're going to be gonna, on it for years. We're going to be on the idea of dependency and the idea of manifesting, which are the two core concepts of the new covenant. See, it's not actually grace that we're defending. We're defending the new covenant where God said, I'll make a new covenant in you and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to live the exemplary Christian life. That's awesome. I will be the source of living that life. And when you're waiting on me, your sins and lawless deeds, I'll remember no more. I like the way Hebrews talks about the old covenant. And it says that had there been no fault with the first covenant, we wouldn't need a a new covenant. That makes sense, right? If it worked... No need to change it. No. Then it says, God found fault with the covenant. Uh-oh. What yeah. do you mean he found fault with it? Was there a mistake in the covenant? No. Get, get a load of this. It says, God found fault with the covenant because the covenant found fault with us. The people. The covenant was a fault-finding ministry. And the people were defective because they have... The oh, sin guy dwelling in them, a mystery that only came out in the new covenant. And do you know in this new covenant, it is impossible for God to find fault with us? Yes. Amen. If he finds fault with us, he would have to find fault with his son. Yes. He would have to find fault with the spirit. Yes. Because he put the spirit inside of us to do what for us? <laughs> What we can't do for ourselves. Yes. What we fall short of. Mm-hmm. That's good news. Yeah. Yeah. That'll bring you out of anxiety. Yes. And I'll tell you something. It did. I'm, I'm a happier person. Oh, me too, man. It changed my life. It changed my life. Or should I say, I'm full of joy. I rejoice. Mm-hmm. Jo- rejoices to jump up and down and twirl around Mm -hmm. in a circle. Mm -hmm. And I'm much more long-suffering. Happiness, they say, comes from happenings, like your performance. And there's also a word, unhappy. Yes. But you know there's no word for unjoy. (laughs) I never thought of that. I'm unjoy today. Right, right. No, when you're you're rejoicing in the Spirit's power and you're joyful because of the Holy Spirit. When you're in the Spirit's joy, there's no such thing as unjoyful. It's joy. But when you're happy because you did something good, you can fail the next day and happiness turned to unhappiness. Yes. So it's just, it's awesome to see. And I don't think we've even come close to exhausting it. In fact, we just started out the podcast saying, well, let's review last week. And I don't think we've gotten past reviewing last week yet. No. We're just kind of building on it. I do think it's important because I think this one thing is missing in 
church in the last 200 years. And that's really what the sin is. I know we keep saying it over and over again, but... But haven't said it enough. Yeah. We still haven't said it enough. The sin was the lie. And you explain it better than me. Go ahead, Mm -hmm. Gardoxy. Mm -hmm. Explain the sin one more time to us. The sin was the concept that we can be like God without the power of God. And we can't. It takes the power of God for us to look and act and walk and talk like God did. That's what it says in 1 John 4, right? Yeah, it does. Or 1 John 3. Both of them go back and forth with this is how we can tell the children of God and the children of the devil. Yes, because it's a, a, a book written about fellowship and how to have joy when you're fellowshipping. The book of 1 John tells you that when you're fellowshipping with the Spirit, your fellowship can be full of joy. It's all predicated on knowing the idea that we manifest Jesus where two or three are gathered together. I'm in your midst. And you can hear and see Jesus in people when you're fellowshipping if you've got a hold of the concept, which is the new covenant concept. This is my way of life that I teach everywhere in every church, a way of life in Christ Jesus and not in human performance. I let Christ manifest himself through me. And when he is doing that, I am a pleasure to fellowship with. And when he's not manifesting in me, I'm not so great to hang around. Not so great. In fact, the the last words Jesus told his disciples was to go and baptize in the name of the Father, the name of the Son, and the name of the Holy Spirit. And what is that name again? I am. Yeah, I am. He's the I am. That's the name of the Father. Remember Moses said, what should I tell them your name is? He said, mm-hmm. tell them my name is I am. I am. I am your strength. I am your shield. I am whatever we need to be we can depend on him, his I amness for us. Yes. So he, it's the name of the Father. It's the name of the Son. In John eight fifty eight, Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. I they am. knew what he's, he was saying. Yes. And it's also the name of the Spirit. Yes. Then he says, and lo, little King James there, I am with you. Always. Yes. Christ in us is the hope of glory. The I am in us is everything we are not. Yes. The I am is everything we are not. Yes. And that's pretty much everything. (laughs) Yes. That we're not. Apart from him, we can do nothing. So We're not anything. When the serpent said, you can be... Like God, you can be your own I am. Mm-hmm. I am sovereign. Mm-hmm. I am strong. I am powerful. I am righteous. I am. Mm-hmm. 
able to not only will it, but to do it. Not. (laughs) That's the whole point right there. We are so willing to live an awesome Christian life. The, The trouble is, is we can't do it. That's why Philippians 2.13 said it is, it says work out your salvation with fear and trembling because you can't work out your salvation. But the next verse says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. It is God. This is the simple statement of fact. This is the truth that should have been told to Eve when the serpent lied to her, when the serpent said, you can be like God without having to depend on him. It should have been told to her, no, Eve, it's God who works in you both to will and do his good pleasure. That is the truth that sets you free. It sets you free from the futility of the performance treadmill, Ten Commandment mentality, Christian life that so many of us are trying to leave, live, trying to live and failing miserably at it. That's the truth that would set us free from that futility because it, the truth of the matter is, is it's God who does for us what we can't do for ourselves. Are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain the goal of the Christian life through human effort? Galatians 3.3, are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain the goal by human effort? We'll close with that question. Ademic sovereignty. Yes. Yes. Okay. Do do you want to close us in prayer or do you want me to? Go ahead. Okay. Father God, thank you. The question posed to us was, are we going to try and attain the goal of living the Christian life in our own self-determination, our willpower, gritting our teeth to do it for God? Are we going to keep on that performance treadmill, or are we going to let go and say, no, you are God, I am not. You have the form of godliness that I need. I, in my own power, cannot muster up that type of godliness, and it's you I want to depend on, Father. Please live through each and every one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good night, everyone. We love you all. We love you all. Good night.